Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Gerald Green to inbound. Harden trying to get free. Down to three, down to two. It's a three. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, Rockets reporter for SB Nation, the dream shape, providing you with the best news surrounding your favorite basketball team in the Houston Rockets. Unfortunately, Hawk is not in the studio with me today, but that does not mean I am here alone. Today, I am joined by Mr. Matt Madorno the host of Believe in Wizards, as we will discuss the blockbuster trade that sent Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards in exchange for John Wall in a protected future first-round draft pick. Matt, what's going on, my brother? And first and foremost, as someone who has covered the Wizards, what were you hearing out in Washington about Wall's health prior to this trade? Everything's been overwhelmingly positive. I'm not a personal believer in the summer hype. Well, not summer in this case, but typically the summer workout video, you know, and, and not showing anything of, of real substance. But he looked noticeably leaner in some pickup games against people like James Harden. And he played against Andre Drummond and Michael Beasley and a couple and some other, you know, solid NBA guys and, and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, guys like that, and looked pretty good by all accounts. You know, Durant had a lot of positive things to say and by yeah by all accounts he, he was looking good to go and, and everybody's commented on how much more fluid and, and smooth the jump shot looks and and honestly that's always been the the one sort of question mark about his game is can he effectively space the floor and the last big moment for him as a wizard was in 2017 in the playoffs against the uh against the boston celtics and by the end of that series they just sort of dared him to shoot and you know through fatigue and all those things he, he couldn't really keep up the percentage but if, if he's looking as good as they say from the three-point line I think that's a that's a huge advantage for Houston I know you mentioned Wall's ability to be able to shoot the three-pointer and listen Matt I know you see the chaotic situation that's going on here in Houston with James Harden and for some odd reason it appears that he will be starting the season with the Houston Rockets if they do not trade him between now and when the season starts how do you feel Harden and Wall will mesh together, especially with Wall's history of playing with another dynamic guard in Bradley Beal? I mean this mostly as a compliment, but there's some ego involved on, on Wall's end. Like he has, you know, self-belief in his game and his ability to be at least, uh, you know, in the discussion for an all-NBA position when when he's healthy, which again, he says he is. And that last year he played in D.C., he was not healthy for most of it. He had sort of debilitating bone spurs and, and still, you know, produced at, at a you know a solid all-star level. So if, 
if he's healthy in that perspective or from that perspective and the Achilles is, is reasonably healed up and the, the jump shots improve, like he, I think rightfully so thinks he can be a, a solid contributor to a, a good team. So the question is, how is he going to take it if Harden is trying to sort of backdoor his way out of town? Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to be received because, you know, he's worked this hard for two years to get back on the court. Is he really going to want to be involved in a full rebuild? That's sort of the question, I think. And just for clarity, how long have you watched John Wall? I'm pretty sure you watched his entire career in Washington, correct? Uh, I unfortunately was born into Wizards fandom, and I'm, I'm 32 <laughs> years old. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We're 25 plus years of of whatever this team is every year. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've seen pretty much I don't know 90 percent of his games in a Wizards uniform. I would say for someone who has watched Wall's entire career in Washington, can you just talk about what he meant to that community? Um, Cause it seems like ever since he was dealt to the Houston Rockets, this man has received countless of tributes, no matter if it came from fans, no matter if it came from members of the organization or, or his ex teammates. Can you just talk about what John Wall meant to the city of Washington? I think picture Dame Lillard's impact in Portland from the, hey, I want to be here, and hey, I'm not trying to leave at the first opportunity for a super team. It's, you know, the the Wizards have been sort of a a mismanaged organization, I'll say, for the close to two decades, and and this is a guy that, you know, he wanted to be here and and sort of uh, entrenched himself in the community and and, and did things that sort of won him over with the fan base beyond just the basketball stuff. But, but strictly speaking, from a basketball standpoint, we hit rock bottom prior to him getting here, you know, with all the stuff with Gilbert Arenas, who was sort of beloved at the time and then had sort of a fall from grace. So Wall was kind of the guy that, you know, he, he, he was the, the guardian angel coming in to, to restore some amount of relevancy to Wizards basketball. And they didn't really do the best to surround him with, you know, top tier talent. Like I, I wrote an article at the end of last calendar year about the top 100 decade or top 100 wizards of the last decade. And I had Marcin Gortat as the third best wizard of, of the decade. And he was a solid player. But if, when you say that's the best guy that Beal and Wall have played for, they kind of, they failed him, I think in that respect. And, you know, it, it just, the injuries are tough. And, and I think the thing that's tough for everybody to swallow is just not seeing him, you know, having all this build up for two years about when wall gets back, we're going to make a run and then not getting to see that play out at all. I think has sort of been just the weird, hard to swallow part. And speaking of the wall and Bradley Bill pairing, what would you say about those two guys playing with each other as long as they have because I mean I get it it's not like they were Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen or or a duo like that but you are talking about two guys who literally restored relevancy inside the Washington Wizards organization and from the outside looking in it seems as if John Wall and Bradley Beal was enough to get the Washington Wizards to the playoff quite often. Yeah, I mean, they were relevant in the East. You know, I wouldn't say they were a contender, but teams didn't want to play them. They were at least a middle-of-the-pack playoff team when those guys are healthy. And 2014, if Wall hadn't broken his hand and played a series with his shooting hand broken against Atlanta, they probably could have made an Eastern Conference Finals. 
Uh, Kelly Olynyk single-handedly sunk them and had the game of his life, uh, it, you know, in 2017. So they, they got a little unlucky a couple times, but it was partly the, the challenge and the thing that held them back was their inability to, one, find him a competent backup. So you've got a guy already playing hurt. He's playing tons of minutes. He's a questionable shooter. And now late in games, teams are daring him to shoot when he's playing, you know, 42 minutes of a 48-minute playoff game. It was just sort of an unfair ask, realistically. Uh, and, and I would say the probably the best backup he had the whole time he was here was Ramon Sessions or Ramon Sessions. Um, so, you know, he was a solid player for one of his two stints here, but they, they just couldn't get him help. And I, I think that's sort of what, what was more challenging. You know, you hear some questionable things about maybe even Wall and Beal didn't love the particular fit. We talked about that a good amount on our show in our last episode. It was just, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. You hear enough in the media about those two not liking each other. I don't think they disliked each other as people. It was more about you know, big brother, little brother, Wall sort of always treated Brad Beal like a little brother. And I don't think Beal, after the way he's played the last two years, was looking forward to going back to, you know, being Robin to anybody's Batman. So I think it worked pretty reasonably well from a stylistic standpoint. Uh, and, and you can't really argue with the success, like I said, considering the, the lack of help they really had. Last question before flipping things over to the Rockets and Russell Westbrook side of this trade. Um, we talked about his impact off the court, but most importantly, can you talk about the type of player John Wall is or the type of player that John Wall was prior to these injuries? Because, you know, me living out here in Houston, I am used to John Wall and I know the type of things that he is capable of on the court, because to be honest with you, he has always been one of my favorite players. And I always say that he is a mixture of a new school and the old school point guard combined into one. But for our listeners who may not have had the opportunity to watch John Wall throughout his career in Washington, can you just describe what type of player he was? You know, he was, he was uh, one of those sort of guys that I was conflicted while watching. I mean, most of the time he was great and, and you were dazzled by some of the things he did. I mean, if you just search John Wall highlights, like some of the shit is crazy. I mean, it just it, when you watch it, like, whoa, he actually did that thing, you know, would, would block a guy's shot, grab the ball himself, push it in transition do a Euro step behind the back reverse layup, you know, while a shot blocker was trying to pin him against the glass. And you're just like, Whoa, uh, how did he just do that? And then other times, you know, there'd be 25 seconds on the shot clock. Well, not 25 seconds, but you know what I mean? Almost full shot clock. And you've got him taking, uh, you know, a step back too with his, you know, his heel on the three point line. So just like, sometimes it was so maddeningly, in, maddeningly inefficient that, that you had to question, like, can somebody talk to him about what is or isn't a good shot? Uh, I think he's really an underrated playmaker. It's just some of the passes he made. If you keep that team together, honestly, and, and I'm wondering if they're part of it is the, to play it out and see how it looks and maybe Harden will come around, but if you've got Harden on one wing, you've got PJ Tucker on another, you got, you know, Aaron, Eric Gordon somewhere there and the court's reasonably spread wall, not only finds open guys, he gets guys open. And this might be one of like, he'll get you more open shots than Westbrook got 
these guys last year. In my personal opinion, I think Westbrook's the better player, but he, some of the passes he makes are, are pretty incredible. Speaking of John Wall, now we're going to discuss the other side of this trade in Russell Westbrook. And Matt, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of questions surrounding what is true, what is not true about Russell Westbrook's one season as a Houston Rocket. You know, I'll be quite honest. I, I didn't see a lot of Rockets games sort of that first portion of the year where it seemed like Westbrook struggled a little bit out of the gates to integrate. And, and you can correct me if, if that's wrong, but I did see a couple games down the stretch when he went sort of into super Westbrook mode and they went small ball and he was basically, a, you know, a center on offense and the efficiency went up. I'm curious, you know, if you thought that would have been sustainable, uh, you know, if, if we, uh, people's last, you know, vision of, of Westbrook is him struggling through the playoffs. I'm curious where you think, you know, what we're most likely to get, is it playoff Westbrook or that sort of 27 and seven guy, you know, down the stretch? I think you're going to get more of the Westbrook who was a little bit more of the 27 and seven guy. Well, he was actually more so 30 and seven. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> he was actually 30 and seven. Look, Russell Westbrook's time in Houston, if you ask anybody, whether it be a fan, whether it be a reporter, or, or whatever the case might be, you're going to get a split decision. You have some that's going to say, you know, he wasn't as bad. You're going to get some that say he was a terrible fit here in Houston. Um, Matt, you hit the nail right on the coffin. And the way I look at Russell Westbrook's time in Houston, I look at it in three separate ways. The first two months, it was him trying to figure it out. And you can tell that Russell Westbrook was going to do everything he, that he could to make this situation work. Not, not just because he was good friends with James Harden, but because he knows that at some point in his career, he wants to win a championship. And of course he wants to win it now. And you can tell that he was trying his hardest to figure it out. When the Rockets actually went small ball, and by the way, I hated that move, by the way, <laughs> It did open up the floor for Russell Westbrook because the one thing that made his fit in Houston even more questionable, more than just playing alongside another ball-dominant guard and James Harden, is mm -hmm. the fact that he can't really shoot that well. Sure. So you bring him into the system with Mike D'Antoni, and we all know that D'Antoni literally does nothing but shoot three-pointers. And it's like you go from having – one of the most solid three-point shooters in Chris Paul to one of the worst three-point shooters in all time in Russell Westbrook. How is that going to fit? You, you remove Capella. That opened up the lane for Russell Westbrook to go to, to go to work and attack the basket. That was the version that we saw. It seems like Westbrook, mm -hmm. if I backtrack a little bit, through those first two months of the season, Going back to when he first when going back to his introductory press conference, he always talked about how he and James Harden were going to quote unquote figure it out. That was basically his answer for everything through mm -hmm. the months of October and December. When January hit, we made the move to go small ball. It seemed like that was their version, or at least that was his version of figuring it out. But then the worst part about it, you're looking at a situation where he was that he was averaging somewhere along the lines of like 30 and, and like eight and eight. Mm. COVID happens. The league is shut down for four months. So that throws the rhythm in a camaraderie that he was able to establish. It, it, it gets thrown off. And then he, he, he couldn't 
practice and work out with the team because he ended up catching COVID. So he comes into the to the NBA training camp in a bubble, you know, late. I believe he got there maybe two or three days before the restart tipped off, you know, two, three games in. He suffered, I believe it was a, a hamstring or a quad injury. I, I can't remember which one. Yeah, um, quad, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I think it was a quad, you know. So then he gets this injury. He missed the rest of the restart. He missed the first half of the of the of the first round of the playoff series against the Thunder. And when he came back, he just looked like a guy who was literally just he, he was lost because now the Rockets had to revert back to what they was doing before just give James Harden the ball and everybody just get the hell out the way. And it was hard to rework Westbrook into the system in the middle of the playoffs. And we're not just talking about a playoff team like the Portland Trailblazers or the Dallas Mavericks. No, you're playing against the Lakers who has who LeBron James, arguably the best player of all time. So to me, I think it's unfair to look at the the what our lasting image of Russell, Russell Westbrook. I will say you guys in Washington is going to get the Westbrook that showcased his ability during the months of January through March when he was literally averaging 38 and 8. I don't think it's going to be as explosive because he's going to be playing alongside Bradley Beal, but I would say is this regardless of what you guys hear in the media that he's a bad teammate you know it was a bad fit between him and James Harden none of that is true it was weird but Westbrook is going to do whatever it takes to make his situation work he tried to hear in Houston I'm pretty sure he's going to do it in Washington as well so uh, my my co-host Larry Hughes played uh the tail end of his career at the beginning of Westbrook's and, and they have enough overlap and in sort of peer group and stuff. And, and Larry's like, look, you, you typically hear if guys are bad teammates or not through the grapevine. And, and he had never heard anything particularly negative about Westbrook, or actually really anything negative about him as a teammate. So it was nice to be able to kind of dispel that myth, you know, right off the bat. So this is how I kind of looked at the trade. And, and I'd be curious to get your take uh, on this and, and correct me if, if you see it differently. But I actually see you know, the fit being better for both for both teams now, like Wall is a better off-ball spot-up guy. So if they do keep the team together, I actually think he might allow Harden to be a little more successful. Uh, if You know, he, he shot like close to 37% the last year he played on four or five shots a game. And, and he was a reasonably decent catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So I think that's a good sign. And then on the Wizards side, you know, Westbrook isn't as good a shooter, but but Beal is slightly better off ball, I think, than Harden is, probably fair to say, lower usage. But also, the Wizards just have more shooting overall, like a conventional big and Thomas Bryant, but like conventionally sized big, but can also spread the floor. You've got Bertons. I think they're better poised to to put a good shooting lineup around Westbrook than, than maybe Houston was without sacrificing all the size to do it. And then Westbrook can kind of help people like Bryant who are subpar rebounders because that he is probably one of the best guard rebounders, no matter what you say about padding rebounding stats and stuff like that. Is that, is that track at all with what, how you would see this? Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, <laughs> and I only say that because when you look at it from a rocket standpoint, mm. I do believe that John Wall might be the better fit for Harden because it's like I said in my last show, um, with Harden, he wants to play off ball, but to me, I don't really think he actually had the opportunity to, because I mean, 
yes, him and Chris Paul did look good, but it was hard for him to really get adjusted to playing off the ball a little, a little bit more because Chris Paul was always hurt. In the two years he was here, he never played more than 58 games. So you got that aspect of it. And then you look at the Russell Westbrook aspect of it. He might have been more willing to play off the ball if he knew a, he was going to get the ball back for Westbrook, <laughs> but yep. being most importantly, and that was the number one reason why a lot of people questioned Westbrook coming to Houston was the fit because mm-hmm. everyone knows Mike D'Antoni has a hell of a unique system. Yep. I, don't, I really don't like his system. I never did. That was part of the reason why I did not want him coming to Houston because everything that I projected was going to happen, <laughs> happen. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, in order for you, if you're not a seven foot center who's just going to rebound, block, and catch alley hoops all day, if you are a forward or a guard, you have to know how to shoot. And no disrespect to Russell Westbrook, but he's nowhere near the best shooter of all time. Sure. But, you know, going back to the Houston aspect of this trade, it all depends on A, the health of John Wall, and B, the attitude of James Harden. You know, I, I do believe that this trade could be a win-win situation for both sides because I take a look at the Rockets if if John Wall stays healthy even the Marcus Cousins because there's a lot riding on him as well if those two guys stay healthy you have a new coach who who wants to give James Harden what he wants in playing off the ball more then I think the Rockets can arguably be a top three team in the West do I think it's enough to beat the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm not going to take it that far, but I think they might be able to challenge the Lakers in in Denver and possibly the Clippers. As for the Washington Wizards side of things, I think you guys are in a great situation. And I think what this pairing of Westbrook and Bradley Beal sort of reminds me of is the 2018-2019 Oklahoma City Thunder, where the Thunder basically put Russell Westbrook in the same position of, okay, you have your all-star pairing in Bradley Beal, just like they did with him in Oklahoma City with Paul George. You know, we're going to surround you with shooters, just like Oklahoma City did to a certain certain degree. You guys basically got a lot of shooters in Washington now. And then you have your, you know, your rim protector, you know, lob threat guy in Thomas Bryant, just like Stephen Adam was. Of course, they're two different players, but you still have that type of big man there. Of course, I don't know the relationship between him and Bradley Beal, but the only thing that concerns me, and I'm going to still root for Russell Westbrook because, you know, I was a fan of him before he got to Houston. I'm going to continue to be a fan. But the only thing that really concerns me about this Bradley Beal-Westbrook pairing is like, okay, even though I understood that you was a little bit young, you really didn't want to want to play second fiddle to Kevin Durant, you know? Then you got here to Houston. I'm not going to say you didn't want to play second fiddle, but you still wanted to be the man because as the reports say, that was part of the reason why he wanted out of Houston. So Mm -hmm. now he's going to a team where, you know, it's still not 100% his team and he still had to, on certain nights, he's going to have to play second fiddle to Bradley Bill. And I don't know if he's going to look at Bill in the same light of a Kevin Durant or James Harden or I think best case scenario for Russell Westbrook, whatever attitude he had that sailed with Paul George, he needs to have that. He needs to have that same attitude with Bradley Beal. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that sort of, you know, I'm less worried about the stylistic fit and, and more, like you said, the, the personality fit there and everything he said so far, he said all the right things. It sounds like he is pretty determined to, 
you know, to squash any of that. And Beal is, you know, he's a little, he's not as good as those guys. And I don't think, I think he's realistic enough to know that he does need help. And I think stylistically, he understands that he's still going to get a lot of shots. And honestly, there were too many times last year where we had guys like Garrison Matthews or Ish Smith or whatever, you know, having games where they had pretty heavy usage. And if you can take seven or eight shots away from those guys and give them to somebody like Russell Westbrook or, or allow him to give them better looks on those shots, I'm hopeful that, you know, it doesn't take away from Beal at all to allow Westbrook to be successful. That's the hope at least. And everything that you said made sense because I watched a couple Wizards game. I didn't watch them all because I didn't want to see Bradley Beal play alongside Ishmith. Sure, but, it was tough. <laughs> but what I will say is as long as the media or even within the organization themselves don't try to make one more superior than the other, I think Washington is going to be good. I think you guys, I don't think you guys have enough pieces to come out of the East, but I think you guys might have enough pieces to upset a couple teams. I, I, I can possibly see, I think the ceiling for the Wizards right now, from what I known throughout my time following Russell Westbrook's career in OKC, and of course, you know, have an opportunity to speak with him here in Houston, and of course, covering him and watching him on a nightly basis here in Houston. He is a good enough talent to get you guys to. I just don't know how this pairing, this this so-called trying to be a super team of Brooklyn is going to play out because a lot of that is riding on the health of Kevin Durant as well. But I would say you guys are really a second round team. I just hope that, of course, I don't really know Harley that much about Bradley Bill, except for what, you know, the few things I know from studying him. But, you know, as from his personality side of things or whatever, when you start talking about egos or whatever, if him and Westbrook can like put their egos aside, especially Russell Westbrook, I, I think Washington is in good hands. This is a win-win situation for Washington. And as for Houston, like I say, it just depends on the health of Wall and, of course, the attitude of of James Harden. Yeah, on, on our end, I think there were a lot of times in the locker room last year where they'd blow a lead late and everybody you talk to, you put a mic in front of them and they would talk about how guys have to step up on defense. We don't guard anybody. And Scott Brooks's press conference would be, you know, we've got to be accountable and, and play some defense. And that just never, that never happened. And, and I think Westbrook at least sort of helps them from an accountability standpoint. Like he's not an every possession lockdown defender, but I, I don't think he's going to tolerate guys sort of, you know, sandbagging it and, and, and coasting on one end of the floor that, that same way. So, so that's sort of the hope there that if they guard people, I, I agree with you. I think they're a second round playoff team. If, if they don't, they're probably an eight seed, but the best version of that team, it puts them in the, you know, the mix with the, I would say the Phillies, Toronto, the Pacers, like those types of teams. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of middle of the pack Eastern conference playoff team. I, I don't know that I would say if, if Houston six it together, if they maybe top three, just, I would question how much like wall can be out there consistently. Just the plan here in, in DC was to not play him on the second night of back-to-backs and things like that. And to keep him around 30 minutes a game. So that's still relying a lot on Harden and, and some of the fit and, and cousins and it's how much faith do you have in guys like that? But 
there they would still be a dangerous playoff team would be my expectation i'm curious how you know because everybody here in dc still wants like wishes wall the best and and i don't think we want to see him go to a situation where after all this time he's coming back for a long rebuild do you, what do you think is sort of the most likely way that plays out do you think harden is on the roster at the end of the year to be honest with you matt I honestly don't know. You know, we had the opportunity to speak to John Wall on Sunday. Um, he says he's talked to James Harden. He said Harden is, you know, Harden wants to play with him. <laughs> and then the report says otherwise. Is it's it's a really confusing situation here in Houston. Um, and and to be honest with you, outside of I say he's in a good situation when you remove the James Harden aspect of it and you just look at the fact that he's reunited with DeMarcus Cousins, you know, and Cousins basically has went through hell the last two years, just like John Wall. And both of those guys told us in the media that they are pushing each other to come back and be the best version of themselves. And then you take into consideration that you have a new general manager who's has shown the ability to make moves that you can say okay it might not be the best move but I like that pickup I, I like that pickup and then you have a new head coach in Steven Silas and Silas has a track record of developing some of the best players over the past two decades when you talk about guards I mean he helped establish Baron Davis and get Baron Davis to an all-star level when he was assistant coach with his dad in New Orleans um mm -hmm. He helped Steph Curry get to that all-star level when he was the assistant coach in Golden State. He helped Kimball Walker get to that all-star level when he was in Charlotte. You know, we saw what he was able to do with, with Luka in Dallas. Of course, John Wall is a more established player than the Baron Davis and Steph Curry and, and Walker and Luka when Steven Silas had them. But at the same time, Silas... Is, is, a, is a type of coach. He's going to do whatever he can to make sure that John Wall get back to the player that he was or close to it. And, you know, when you take a look at other players that, that's on this team, like a, like a Gerald Green, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, even Christian Woods, the guy we picked up, like I think the Rockets have, might be, like I say, the second best place for John Wall to come back and, and, and get – and just come back and be the player that he once was or close to it because he has a lot of weapons. So it's not like he's going to have the weight of a franchise on his shoulder to go out there and, and, and give a team the 30 and 10, like he used to in Washington. The only tricky part about it is this James Harden situation. And as we've seen over the past 48 to 72 hours, Harden is trying to make this a real ugly situation in, you know, if you bring that toxic culture back into the locker room, how that's going to fit with John Wall. And it like it's a lot of moving pieces. And of course, the biggest piece of all is James Harden. So I'm hoping for the best because I'm not just rooting for John Wall to come back and return. I'm also rooting for DeMarcus Cousin. I'm rooting for Steven Silas to be a successful co coach. But it all depends on the mindset of James Harden. Yeah, I, I hate James Harden for making me know anything about Lil Baby's birthday party. Um, <laughs> like, I could have gone my whole life without ever knowing anything about that. But, uh, like, in terms of just circling this whole thing back around, 
Wall is going to be a guy that that Rockets fans are going to want to root for because he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to try to, you know, bust everybody's ass out on the court. Like he's, he's a likable dude to root for from that perspective. He does some questionable things at times, like the playing cards on TV or the gang sign video, but, (laughs) but he'll, you know, he'll ingratiate himself in the Houston community and, and he'll, he'll give it all on the court. He'll play hurt, you know, play in a playoff series with a broken hand, like all those things. So I think you guys are going to get somebody like, I don't know how much Christian Wood you watched last year, but he's a really good player and a really under the radar player. Mm -hmm. I I like that pairing, you know, while playing with the athletic guy with some skill and some touch, I think that's going to be a pretty good marriage. So like you said, if if they can get Harden on board and and get him to kind of buy in, uh, I think, think that's a fun team to watch. I hope you're right. And um, as for Russell Westbrook, look, Matt, you guys have nothing to worry about. As long as Westbrook stays healthy, he's going to give 150% of his effort. Like what we heard in Oklahoma City about him giving it his all out on the court, rather a win or lose situation. It is 100% true. And that is what I appreciate about Russell Westbrook the most because you know, I was hearing it a little bit prior to the league suspension when I was going up to the Toyota Center and talking to um, other Rockets reporters who, of course, have a lot more sources than I do, you know, and what the Rockets, the players themselves, and even Mike D'Antoni was putting out, I know all was not well in the locker room, but regardless of what was going on, every time Russell Westbrook suit up, he put that Houston Rockets jersey on, He went out there and gave it his all. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to love Russell Westbrook in Washington. Maybe not much as John Wall because you got him so young. I mean, I think he was, what, 18, 19 years old when he first got to D.C. But you guys are going to love Russell Westbrook. Like I say, as long as he stays healthy and the relationship between him and Bradley Beal get established early and they find a way to play with each other, you guys are going to be very successful. Matt, it was a real pleasure speaking with you today here on Believe in the Rockets. Can you please tell my listeners where they can follow you at on social media? Uh, Yeah, sure. It's uh, Matt Moderno, M-O-D-D-E-R-N-O. But I I would check out our our, uh, social media accounts for for our podcast, Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V, same as this one. And it's me and and former Wizard and and 13-year NBA veteran Larry Hughes. So uh, we we try to to keep it... uh, relevant and topical and bring in different perspectives. And, and we've had most of those sort of fun 2000s Wizards teams on. So uh, yeah, if that interests anybody and, and you want a little bit of a Eastern Conference perspective, uh, I'd, I'd encourage folks to check us out. And as you guys know, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Um, For you guys who want to know more about John Wall and his arrival to Houston, please be sure to check out my latest installment on SB Nation, The Dream Shake, as I break down, as I recap, as I review John Wall's first 48 hours, which was an eventful first 48 hours with the Houston Rockets filled with the fiasco with James Harden, making a first impression on Steven Silas, and of course, reuniting with DeMarcus Cousins as I go inside of John Wall's first 48 hours of training camp with the Houston Rockets. Once again, you could check that out on the Dream Shake. And of course, I have that on my Twitter as well. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.